If you compare beer with bratwurst, and cheese with wine, or even whiskey, with donuts, then we think you can pair all of these delicious drinks with murder, conspiracies, missing persons, and more. Drink with us as you feed your craving for true crime and creepy stories. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm uh, excited to get to this next episode. I'm excited to tell it. I know nothing about what you're going to tell me except for two facts. Um, One, I won't let you go into. The other is um, apparently we're going to be talking about some pro wrestling today. We are. And um, that was my only thing to match or pair with um, for a drink. So I did do some digging and I thought there would be a lot more options out there than what there is, which um, I feel like the wrestling fans out there are getting gypped a little bit because these guys aren't, you know, out there making money off their liquors. I don't think people who watch wrestling want anything except like a Bud Light or a Coors Light (laughs) served in a giant tub. Probably true. Which is what I was expecting. (laughs) <laughs> a popcorn bucket of beer. It was close. Uh, it was close to being a Stone Cold Steve Austin situation. Uh-huh. But instead, um, we went with the man himself, uh, the one you can smell from far away, all the food he's cooking. <laughs> and it's, it smells like success. That's what it smells like. Uh, Mr. Dwayne Johnson's Terra Mania. I yeah. Think. Did I say that right? I have no idea. Ter- but I'm excited because it's a tequila. <laughs> and I also like the fact that it gives me an excuse to do the, the, the eyebrow oh, you did that pretty raise. Good. That wasn't bad at all. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's go ahead and crack this bad boy open. I'm a little curious if he has, um, like, for his tagline, do you smell what the rock is cooking? If it's copyrighted, so if we use it, we're going to get a bill in the mail. You know, they do, people do that. You copyright names. Yeah, no, I know. You're right. Like the Super Bowl, that just costs us $10,000. <laughs> might have to throw that out. I don't know what you the You didn't actual... form me one. I'm handing you one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> his handover and his cheers look exactly the same. Yep, exactly the same. (laughs) Smells like tequila. Smells like a a fun night out. Mm. That's good. I like it. I thought it was going to be expensive, but it really isn't that expensive. Mm. That's delicious. I I was going to share, you know, some things about it. um, But the only thing that... uh, I kind of took out of everything I read was Terramana means, um, what is it? Earth? Crap. I forgot. Terramana. I, I knew Terra. I don't think you need to know anything except it's tequila and it comes from the rock. Right? That's what I'm... The only Goodness. thing I was tempted to go and dive into is how he came about going into the tequila business. But, um, you know... It's probably the same as any celebrity. Like, 
there's a dollar to be made there. Slap your name on it. It could sell really well. I don't think that's what he would say. Guarantee you put his heart oh, and soul into I, this tequila. I guarantee you there's probably a story on here, but that's I'm calling bullshit on the story. He just saw a way to make money. He's like, ah, I like tequila. Let's make I like some tequila. tequila. I'll make some tequila with you, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll get a perfectly paired with bottle. A barrel so select. <laughs> oh, yeah. Terramana. Uh, yeah, Terramana. So it means... Hmm. Terra or Terre, I don't know. Terra is derived from Latin, terra, meaning earth. Obviously, mm-hmm. that was, I thought it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that. And then Manya is Polynesian, uh, which I believe he's. I was going to say. Um, it's a word meaning spirit. Spirit of the earth. Perfect. Is what it means. Yeah. And that name is perfectly paired with the tequila made by The Rock. And that tequila is perfectly paired with a story about a professional wrestler whose life ended probably not the way he envisioned. (laughs) Jason just almost ate his microphone. (laughs) It must be good tequila. One sip and he's... I hit it against the microphone. Can't even sense it. (laughs) And it kind of sounded like a fart. So I was... Like, nice. should I leave that in? Now you, the word fart is in our podcast. Yeah, well, you called it out. I was just going to go ahead and lower it, the volume on that, but I won't. We can go back. Nah. Okay. Go on. All right. So in August of 2018, American true crime pop culture was seemingly reintroduced to the idea of family annihilation with the tragic story of Chris Watts and the senseless killings of his family. That is not the story we're going to discuss today. I was going to say, what does he have to do with pro wrestling? (laughs) You see, we have examples of male family annihilators that span decades. Men like John List, Anthony Todd, Scott Peterson, and Christian Longo are thought to have been responsible for killing their family members in scenarios that loving fathers all over could never even imagine. But it seemed that with the case of Chris Watts, a new interest in familiacide arose and a desire to understand how the protector of a family could become the family's greatest threat was formed. So in the very first episode of the Perfectly Paired With podcast, I gave you a lesson from a layman, which is just me pretending to know more than I actually know. And that is where I'd like us to begin today. I think to understand the subject of today's true crime story, we must place him in the context of the psychological profile of a family annihilator. So, family is that a term that, as of like 2018, it's like after no professionals use that term. Yeah. Wow. But I don't think it was commonplace. Annihilator. Mm -hmm. I mean, the act is brutal itself, but. What else do you, you don't throw annihilator on anything. No. Probably should for like countries, like, you know, drones or school annihilators. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think that term was commonplace until Chris Watts got the attention that he got, which is why I started the podcast with him. Because I really think he drew in an audience for figuring out why family annihilators do what they do. 
Yeah, that was an odd one. Yep. So according to researchers out of the UK, there are four types of family annihilators. The first type is the self-righteous killer. This killer casts blame, usually on their partner, for the breakup of their family or for keeping them from seeing their children. These types of family annihilators seek to cause pain on their partner, so they kill their children and leave their partner alive. Jeez. The second type is the disappointed killer who feels let down by their partner or their children and therefore feel entitled to taking their family members' lives. An example of this would be something like an honor killing. Uh, What's an honor killing? In certain countries, under certain religions, there's a belief that if individuals, let's say daughters particularly, don't behave the way that they're expected to, that the father of the household is entitled to kill them. Oh, I see. Good rule to have around. (laughs) The third kind is the anomic killer. Now, anime in sociology comes from Emile Durkheim, and it refers to a state where the standard norms from a society disappear. This is often connected to killers whose economic success is threatened, and in order to preserve that economic success, the killer murders their family, because for them, at that point, the norm of, you know, not killing your family no longer is relevant. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Now, the last family annihilator is the paranoid killer. This killer believes that their family is under a form of threat. And in order to protect them, he kills them. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Now, the subject of our story... What about... There's not a category for if you think your family's been taken over by aliens? Interesting. I bet we could fit it into one of those categories under a threat, so, so right? I just, for some reason, the family I, that's is threatened by ha- aliens. It's had to have happened. I would say, not, it's, yeah, I'd say it's paranoid. Threat, but they're not threatened by aliens. Like they are. They're already are. gone. Yeah, they're already gone. So or, you're no or longer demons. a family annihilator. My family, they're all. You're a, a demon possessed. slayer at yeah, that point because yeah. your family's gone. Yeah, alien slayer. Yeah. Buffy the Alien Slayer. Sigourney Weaver. Snuffy the Alien Slayer. (laughs) The cousin of Buffy. (laughs) Okay. Well, the subject of our story, I think, falls into the last category. And he was a man who seemingly had everything that he had ever wanted. He had achieved his dream of becoming a professional wrestler and was arguably one of the best to ever step into the ring. He had a beautiful wife and three great kids. He was financially successful, bringing in roughly half a million to a million dollars a year. And he had a whole host of friends who enriched his life even more. But this telling will not be about this man's greatest achievements. Instead, it will be about the darkest moments and the series of events that brought him there. Holy cow. Half a million to a million a year. His career spanned 22 years. So early on, it was about 400000 But in the end, he was making a million bucks a year. Wrestling. His career in pro wrestling. Yes. That's Clearly, we made crazy. bad decisions. Um, have you said his name yet? No, I'm, that's literally the next thing. Oh, I'll let you go then. 
Christopher Michael Benoit was born on May 21st, 1967 in Montreal, Quebec, but he spent most of his childhood in Alberta, Canada. At the age of 12, Chris Benoit became obsessed with the idea of becoming a professional wrestler. In high school, he was a very successful athlete, winning multiple awards in wrestling and bodybuilding, and his obsession for wrestling only grew as he watched wrestling greats like Tom Billington and Bret Hart. In fact, Chris was so inspired by Bret Hart that Chris would one day make Hart's finishing move, which was the sharpshooter, his own. Do you want me to show you what that looks like? No, I want to know what, what's his wrestling name. Oh, he's ha- he has a few. He has a few? Yep. Mm. So it was in 1985 that Chris Benoit began his career as a wrestler, ranging from Dynamite Benoit to the Pegasus Kid to the Crippler. Chris would wrestle with various organizations in multiple countries, including Japan, and win multiple titles over the course of his 22-year career. Hmm. Pegasus Kid. Peg- Pegasus, Pegasus kid. kid. It's got to be the best one of those. Ah, uh, the Crippler is pretty cool too. I mean, Pegasus Kid. You're just wow. kind of like, what <laughs> the? I don't know what to expect with this guy. <laughs> a name like that. It's a horse, right? It's a mythological horse. Yeah, it's got Pegasus. wings. It's Hercules's guy, yeah, at least in the cartoon. Yeah, like that's. You're mixing a horse with kid in the same name. That's pretty nerdy Mm. but the 80s early 90s that'd be fabulous (laughs) (laughs) okay napoleon dynamite it was during this time period in chris's life that he married a woman named martina and they had two children together a son named david and a daughter named megan then in 1994 chris benoit wrestling as the crippler (laughs) the crippler the crippler He would square off in the ring against a fellow wrestler named Sabu. 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 Within two minutes of the match starting, Chris dropped Sabu on his head after a wrestling move went awry, and the outcome would be detrimental for both Sabu and Chris. As a result of the mis-executed surplex. Suplex. Yeah. I have no idea what (laughs) It's when Sub- you pick somebody up and oh, like, Sabu. kind of like over your shoulder, and yeah, no, it's it's a sweet move, but yeah, Not in you this can instance you could uh, break someone's neck with that one. Well, Sabu sustained damage to his spinal cord and nervous system, and though not physically traumatic for Chris, in the book entitled Ring of Fire, Paul Hyman is going to report that he found Chris hiding after the incident in a closet, rocking back and forth and weeping. Yeah, those, those wrestlers are crazy. And the reason um, why I'm telling you this story... Wait, but first, the spinal injury? Mm-hmm. Was he par- paralyzed? I don't think he was paralyzed. No. But the reason why I told you this story is I think it's representative of the Chris Benoit who entered the wrestling world. He was emotional and empathetic and, like, bore the burden of his actions. Mm, yeah. And that is not the Chris that we're going to learn about. Hmm. Okay. So it was shortly after the birth of his daughter, Megan, in 1997, 
that Chris would participate in a scripted scenario in his role as a professional wrestler. Spoiler alert, wrestling is fake, if you didn't know. What? Huh? (laughs) It's this role that would change the course of his life. A man named Kevin Sullivan, who was the head of WCW Creative, wrote a storyline that involved Chris Benoit and Kevin's own wife, Nancy the Fallen Angel Sullivan. She was also a wrestler. Fallen Angel? She's a demon. Mm. (laughs) In this storyline, Nancy and Chris were to pretend as though they were having an affair which meant they had to be caught going into the same hotel or getting out of the same car. Of course. So that it would cause drama between Chris and Kevin, who also happened to be a wrestler. And this is in WCW, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that's where like Sting was. I think Hulk Hogan went over there for a little bit. Anyway, uh, there were so many letters to refer to different wrestling yeah. organizations. And at two, first, I, I think wanted the two big to get them covered. Was WCW, and I could And then... WWF, which turned into WWE. Yep. Um, Yeah. I mean, WWF always owned it. That was my favorite. But then there was like TNT or something. No, that was part of, I don't know. Who knows? Um, Anyway, I liked it as a kid. Loved it as a kid. Uh, The first time I saw Hulk Hogan on the TV, my mom was sleeping. (laughs) Thunderlips. That was Hulk Hogan's character in the Rocky franchise, yeah. and that's the only time I've ever seen him do anything the in the ring. Most ridiculous name I loved ever. it. I could, old Sly oh, definitely amazing. did that on purpose, you know. And just like, oh, how can we make that. his name as sexual as it's possible? Fabulous. Um, no, but it, it was you know I saw that man on TV. I was very young. My mom was sleeping because she worked basically nights at a restaurant, <laughs> and um, and would sleep late and. For some reason, it was on in the morning, and I saw him up there, and I was just like, that's what I want to be. Immediately took my clothes off, just ran around in my underwear, pretending I was Let's Hulk Let's go Hogan. put him on the TV upstairs and see yeah. where the night takes us. But then I'd see myself <laughs> in the mirror. I was like, I'm so skinny. There's no way I would ever get that big, and I ended up being right. That's okay. Yeah. Now I'm going to bring everybody back. <laughs> the Perfectly Paired with podcast. We are leaving the Jason's Childhood podcast and coming back into the tale of murder. Well, but hey, if you enjoy that story, we'll go back there again through these episodes. <laughs> well, in the end, Chris ended up divorcing his wife and Nancy divorced Kevin. And it was a decision that would change Nancy's life forever. Hmm. Early on, I stated that we would be looking at the series of events which could potentially contribute to the end of Chris Benoit's family and his own life. The first of these events involved himself, Nancy, and a man named William Regal. The three were traveling in a vehicle when they were hit from behind while parked at a stop sign. The car then flipped three times, and the accident was described as a near-death incident. It was after that incident that Chris's behavior started to change. In 1999, Chris left the WCW and joined the WWF. There, Chris joined fellow wrestlers Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn, and Dean Malnick in a group called The Radicals. This group would become Heel Faction 
after Triple H joined. And that has absolutely nothing to do with the story, except that for like two years of my life, I was into professional wrestling and Triple H was my absolute favorite. I literally had a necklace with a bunch of like soda can tops that you like <laughs> pop off on letters. And if it lands on your crush's name, H, you put it on your necklace. Wasn't he, he was part of a group where they did the X chop. Yeah, I think I stopped before that happened. Oh, that was the best. In February of 2000, Chris and Nancy would welcome a son named Daniel Christopher Benoit. And by all accounts, Chris was a really good husband and a dedicated father. Chris would marry Nancy on November 22nd of 2000. And at this point in his life, his career was really thriving. His wrestling persona always seemed to have storylines. He even got to wrestle against The Rock at some point. Ooh, that is amazing. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm not... Never have been like a diehard pro wrestling fan, but I'm guaranteeing I know some people that 100% know who this dude was. I'm curious if we're going to give them any um, info on this that they didn't know before. I don't know. And this may be jumping ahead, but my mind spins because The Rock was a professional wrestler. Chris Benoit was a professional wrestler. And their lives took two very, very different paths. And just trying to understand the factors that made it so different just, like, will keep me up. Man. Uh, I'm I'm very excited for this one. Uh, Yeah, I mean, obviously we've talked about, um, you know, UFC and stuff. Brock Lesnar came from pro wrestling and actually did real fighting. Mm -hmm. But... You know, I feel like everybody's kind of like they somehow have some pro wrestling story. So I feel like this one, while it might end up super tragic and sad, anybody could maybe get into this one. I'm very, very excited to see. see. Now, in WrestleMania 20, which happened in 2004, Chris was joined by his very close friend, Eddie Guerrero, in victory in the ring as confetti fell. Nancy and Daniel, his son, joined Chris as they celebrated, jaunting around the ring. I'm assuming jaunting. that's what you did. But this euphoric image will live on forever as an eerie reminder that no one knows what darkness lurks behind seemingly perfect moments and perfect lives. And believe me, for Chris, there definitely was some darkness lurking. In September 1998, so we're going back in time, Chris Benoit. What year was that? That 2004. The, 2004. Okay, go ahead. Chris Benoit left his home incredibly drunk in a car, drove to some random person's house and parked out in front where a cop was going to find him. Not, not a good it's look, Chris. Never, never a good not look. Not a good look. Then in 2001, Chris would undergo neck surgery And despite his need to just rest and recover, Chris would refuse to stop using steroids, which were pretty commonplace in not only Chris's life, but the lives of many professional athletes. Of course. In May 2003, Nancy actually filed for divorce from her husband and filed for a temporary protective order due to Benoit's tendency of, quote, flying into a rage... And at one point, even resulting in the destruction of furniture. 
But when their court date rolled around, the couple showed up holding hands like Kevin Sullivan couldn't write a better storyline. This couple was seemingly dedicated to making their marriage work. Despite the fact that their relationship had become very volatile, in large part due to both individuals' struggles with abusing pain medication. I feel like it should be written into uh, pro wrestling contracts that you are not allowed to date the opposite sex or, well, any sex at that point. Um, because, yeah, hey, I got to have a certain type of mind to be able to do pro wrestling. It is, while, yes, it's fake, it is insanely hard. And if you don't believe that. That's what she said. <laughs> should we mention our game that we're going to start? <laughs> At the end. We've got a roll going. Um, okay. Uh, but, yeah, no, it, it's uh, I, listening to a couple pro wrestlers talk and podcasts and whatnot, you, you have a very quick glance into like, it's a crazy sport quotations. I think it We're is. We're not quotations. Um, yeah, it is. Even though it's scripted, it's still, it, there's an element of uh, actuality there, but the physical part, that's real. And these guys, they're crazy. Like they, to be able to do what they're doing. And we don't even realize like they're not, it's not like uh, a professional sports team where you're playing like, you know, one game a week or three games a week. Like they're doing sometimes double shows in a day. They're basically going around like a band doing concerts and mm-hmm. you're you're going to be playing back to back to back to back to back. So nights. you're saying they shouldn't be allowed to date because of that? Uh, because uh, to be able to handle that rigorous schedule, you got to be crazy. Um, and if you put two and two together it's just not gonna equal great here's what i have to say to that my husband jason who's opposite of me right now we met working at a restaurant where you literally had to wear black pants a giant apron a button-up shirt a vest and a bow tie that's what all the servers wore and they all couldn't keep their hands off each other so you take a bunch of like very fit adults put them in Bandex and sweat like glistening on their chest, and you're gonna tell them that they can't touch each other? You're insane. I'm just saying it should be a rule. It isn't because we follow rules here in America. <laughs> <laughs> then in 2005, Chris's close friend Eddie Guerrero died in a hotel room at the age of 38 due to heart failure, which was brought on by cardiovascular disease and steroid use. And many people pinpoint this as the moment that changed the direction Chris's life went. What year was that? 2005. Okay. So this event, another in the line of the falling dominoes that brought Benoit ever closer to becoming the family, <coughs> the family annihilator, at the heart of the story, Eddie's death caused severe depression for Benoit. To cope with his grief, Chris began to write letters to his deceased friend. Oh. And I just don't know if that's sweet or just like not sweet. It is sweet. Um, it's a little crazy. I, I just, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. I am too. I mean, I don't, that's a hard loss. Yes, I that's know. That's a hard loss. And I know you know. So we're just going to keep going. Yeah. Now, Eddie was just one friend in a long line of losses for Benoit. And I mean long. I'm going to name a few. But I'm telling you, when I was researching this story, the list went on and on and on. Really? So these are the first few names I wrote down. Brian Pillman, Owen Hart, Dave Boy Smith, and Bossman Ray Taylor, just to name a few. And when I say I'm just naming a few, the list of people in Benoit's life or Nancy Benoit's life that passed affecting the couple just went on and on. And I kept writing them, thinking that I was going to use them. And then I was just like, no, nobody wants to hear this list. It's like the worst <laughs> list in the world. So it's like the uh, the portions of like Genesis where you get to the begats parts. Like, <laughs> I don't know, Lamarck, begat, Enoch, begat, Methuselah, whatever. But when you get to those, you're just like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm except not going to study these guys. For Except it wasn't birth, it was death. And I think that made it like worse, but maybe better. I don't know. I think anytime you're just going through a list of names of... Uh, they were all very anything, young. It's not fun. They all died. And many of them had connections to professional wrestling. Which I'm not trying to pick a fight, but... Did anything you read... Um, you read... Did anything, I read it. Anything, it's past tense. Did anything read you read... <laughs> read it. <laughs> Um, mention like any connections between a lot of the deaths like steroids I don't think it was stated flat out I mean one of them fell from the roof like they were trying to like enter the ring all fancy oh yeah that's a big yeah I know that's no but it was health related for a lot of them at a young age and it's yeah, that's a. I think just the implied. fall from the roof one. Yeah, Oof. I've tried to find videos on that. Of course you, can't you have. Actually see of course you have. If you have a video, <laughs> send it to me. Of course you have. <laughs> Our Instagram, perfectly paired with podcast. DM us. <laughs> go, go check it out. We Subscribe. got nothing else going on. Like us, five stars. Also, though, also, if I you will have say death this. Videos related to this. Go ahead and send them to me. If you're so inclined, give us a five-star rating. Anything less, you're probably too busy. Just keep moving on. All right. It's all good. So as Chris approached his final weekend alive, many would say that Chris Benoit had become a, quote, completely different person, end quote. An example of this is from the WWE 24 documentary where fellow wrestler The Miz. That was so much better than I've done any of the other names. The Miz? Like Missouri? I, he's the Miz. He was on the real world once. He's oh, just a uh, high picture of him as like a farm boy that wanted just to make it big. trying to break it yeah? big. Yeah. And when I tell you the story, he's just a farm boy eating chicken. So the Miz is going to describe a situation where after getting chicken crumbs on Chris's bag while eating in the communal changing room, Chris literally became so outraged and may I say entitled that he ensured that the Miz had to change in a different location for seven months because of some chicken crumbs on his bag. So he had to change in a different location. And I picture it like a tiny bathroom. 
So or like a closet. Wherever Chris Just was, not he was like, where Benoit nope, changed. Get on the fuck out of here. Because and, of some and security pumps. was probably also part of it. They were like, sorry, you can't come in here. Chris is in there. He said you can't change. Because of chicken crumbs. The Miz is just trying to eat some some fried chicken. He's just getting all sloppy with with the in his chicken, you know, as a big man needs to do. (laughs) (laughs) Then in May 2006, in part due to grieving his close friend Eddie's death, Chris took a break from traveling with professional wrestling. And I say that because I can't remember whatever letter trio he's wrestling with at this point and he goes home for four months and it was really during this time that chris's behavioral changes became completely apparent to those around him chris became incredibly paranoid he believed that something not even someone something was out to get him he believed that he was being stalked And in response to that belief, he would drive different routes continually to prevent anybody from following him. So his son, Daniel, wasn't allowed to play outside unsupervised. And for a time, Chris considered not allowing his son to attend school because of his paranoia. This paranoia became so severe that Chris moved his entire family out of the home where they were living and into a new home that was situated in a gated suburb. And it was in this home, which was chosen to keep him and his family safe, that every member of the Benoit family of three would meet a horrific end. On June 24th, after Chris Benoit failed to show up for a bout against CM Punk. <laughs> CM Punk. I just wish I was better at that. <laughs> It was a title bout that Chris was supposed to win, but Chris failed to show up that individuals associated with the WWE became concerned and called the Fayetteville police to perform a welfare check on the Benoit family. I don't think anyone could have been expecting what the police would ultimately find. No. All right. Okay, so so he's supposed to have this match CM Punk. Did all your sources say bout? No. (laughs) Or did they say match? Match bout. (laughs) About. Uh, That's a weird one. I don't. Wait. What do you say about? I think it's about sport. It's. I don't. A a fake sport, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Like in acting school, we're like, hey, we got this fight coming up. So what are we gonna do about this bout? I want to trash talk it, but then after hearing what happened to Sabu, where his like neck was nearly broken, like I kind of feel like I'm gonna give I him still a think little it's a bit match, more credit. Though. I would give it. It's you know, about. It's about like a guy uh, going to do uh, wrestling or jujitsu or whatever. They're not gonna say I got a fight tonight. They're gonna say a match. I got a match. You know how it says match? Tennis players. So. Jeez, that's soft. A hundred percent, which is why I told you. And I just feel like you're trying to like dawdle. You don't want to hear what happens to Chris I Benoit's am, family. I'm I'm scared. I really am. I gotta admit. Uh it's not good. Gosh. It's really not good. <clears throat> okay, so, so for the next but part. But you set it up beautifully. And thank you. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, we're already here. All right. 
Come but on. for the next part, we're gonna go. Well, it's also not a back mystery. In time, we have nothing to talk about time, after it. Back in time. Like we know who did it. Yeah, or do we? Or dun, do dun, we? Dun, dun. <laughs> All, right. All right, so we're back in time a little bit. This is before Chris Benoit misses his bout against CM Punk. I sound deaf. I gotta like no, get my I, I voice like it. better. You're doing it good. Okay, like so it. on Friday, June twenty second, which is the weekend. Or the Friday of the weekend that will change everything. Chris took his son, Daniel, to his horse riding camp at the neighbor Holly's house. Okay. Sweet. They live next to a horse camp. It just sounds lovely their whole life. Yeah. Chris then goes to have a physical with a man named Phil Astin for his routine checkups. That involved acquiring a series of prescriptions, including Zoloft for depression. That's an unfortunate name for a doctor that does men's physicals. Aston. Aston. Well, his life is unfortunate. We're going to talk about that later. As Chris left the medical office, Benoit signed several autographs and took pictures like nothing was wrong or amiss. After leaving the medical offices, Chris met up with his friend, Ray Rawls, who is associated with wrestling, to pay this man for a new uniform Ray had made for Chris. Then he speaks to Chavo Guerrero on the phone. That evening, Chris is going to grill with his son, Daniel, to prepare dinner. Then, at 9.25 p.m., the Benoit house phone made a call requesting the number for the Fayetteville Police Department, but that number would never be called. Then, at 9.32, the house phone called the neighbor Holly. Remember Holly? She has the horse camp. Yeah, that they just live next to, and they're all just neighbors. It's just having, lovely. Hey, I'm going to send my kids over there, mm-hmm. and, you know. The phone is going to the best life ever. (laughs) The phone is going to call Holly again (laughs) at nine thirty three and ten p.m. But no voicemails are Uh, ever left. Come on. Based on the evidence from the home, once the police arrive, based on the call from the WWE concerning a welfare check. It was determined that there was a physical altercation in an upstairs room where Nancy liked to watch TV. When police discovered her body, her hands and feet were taped and an electrical cord was wrapped around her neck. It was determined that Benoit pulled on this cord as he pressed a knee into her back. Now, I'm going to just speak to Nancy the Fallen Angel Sullivan because as a wrestler herself, it was clear that she fought for her life. There were signs of blood in her scalp indicating that Benoit had to strike her her head on the ground. He could tape her. And there were defensive wounds all over her body. Yeah. Fight on, Fallen Angel. Fight on. Could you imagine? There you go. The genders aren't equal. I know. Come on. You got the top of the top fighting each other, and he's just like, bam, I'm going to tape you up and do what I want. 
which unfortunately was death. The 43-year-old body of Nancy was then wrapped in a blanket. And this is so weird. I don't know what to make of this. A Bible was placed next to her, but the Benoits weren't specifically religious. Like nobody would have said Chris Benoit believes in the Bible. There's so many people out there like that, though, that don't say anything, do anything, but like it's rooted in their their childhood. Just wait. Somehow. Things get weird. So the morning after Benoit viciously murdered his wife, he makes a call to the neighbor Holly to tell her that his son Daniel would not be attending horse camp that day because Daniel was sick. He's just like, oh, shit. Shit, there's people that it's so bizarre. These people I can't call this person. Understand his mind right Someone now. Become, I, it was so all right. So he brutally, viciously his murders wife his that wife that night, and he's like, "Oh shoots, I've got." I don't know why he becomes British at this point, but he's like, oh, God. "I've got stuff to handle." Listen, oh, Daniel, no. just get yourself a cup of. My wife is dead. I've got, I've got to handle cars. it. No, and he's just like, he's oh, managing shit. the I'll situation. Kids. I forgot about that. <laughs> I don't know why he I becomes don't know why British. Why are we British? I, I just feel like that would be I, a very British It was fun when you did it. I figured okay, I'd join So in. he's back to being English, and he's like, oh, F me. I've made a decision, and now I have to, like, I have to manage it. So at some point, after calling Holly to make excuses as to why Daniel wasn't going to be at horse riding camp, Chris Benoit is going to murder his son. When police discovered Daniel's body, he was found to have been killed using a chokehold, which I don't know if it's sensationalism, but a lot of sources said it was a chokehold, which is commonly used by professional wrestlers. Uh, Any indication if that was like... We call it rear naked choke. It's from behind. One source I read was literally his finishing move. His like famous, I think it's called the sharpshooter, was used to kill his son. According to one source, which again, don't believe everything you read on the internet, kids. Oh, that would be... That does sound like sensationalism. (laughs) That'd be so fucked up. 100%. That just... Sends shivers down my spine. Um, Now, the toxicity report on the son's body did reveal that he had been sedated with either Zoloft or Xanax. So at least prior to his death, he was drugged. (laughs) She says questioningly as whether or not that's a good thing. Like, he killed his kid. Great, you drugged him beforehand, so maybe he didn't know what was happening. But you well, still he just got drugs kid. from his doctor. Oh, they had drugs coming a- out of suitcases ass- ass- in the house, right? Aston, um, Aston, Aston. <laughs> Let me bend over, please. I gotta check. <laughs> you want some Xanax? <laughs> <laughs> no, he just killed his kid. He can't stop. Um, stop. Okay, so. Uh, for sure, he he choked his kid. Mm-hmm. There's sources that say it was a chokehold, or it were for sure was a chokehold. Yes, there were sources yes, that was I read sure. was a chokehold. Okay, for sure. Was it across the board? They said that, or just any source that designated the cause of death for Daniel said it was a chokehold, 
what I found interesting was that I could readily find Chris Benoit's autopsy, but not his family's. So I All right. can go into detail about Chris Benoit. Um, but for the sake of his definitely son. Definitely wasn't, just so you know, it wasn't a sharpshooter. Because sharpshooter, from what I see here really quick, is a, a leg lock. Um, you can't choke somebody with your legs? Oh, like you're like, locking the legs. Yeah, like right. locking up the, right. uh, looks like a knee or ankle. But um, famous, not famous, but a... Uh, very very common um, wrestler chokehold is rear naked choke, and it's a choke you don't have to look at somebody like in their face to do. So here's what I think happened. I think he died of oxygen loss, and people put two and two together. He's a wrestler. Yeah. He well, depending on like that. how his body was on the floor too. Like if it was face down, then well. it would have been. A choke from behind. What I found really interesting was that when police searched his room, Daniel's bedroom, they found a butcher knife hidden beneath his bed, almost as though he might have witnessed something horrific happen to his mom. And despite his father's guarantees that nothing would happen to him, he went to bed prepared to defend himself with that butcher knife. But that's all alleged and speculation on my part. Holy crap. Um, yeah. I mean, if there's a butcher knife, knife under his bed, <laughs> I doubt the kid's just keeping it that there. It, it has to be because he saw something or heard something. Mm-hmm. And he's ready to defend himself. And mm-hmm. I mean, he's seven. So he's not stupid. And he's very aware of the world, but he also probably has no idea what to do. And oh, that breaks my heart. I can't even imagine like the mental terror that he had to go through from the point that maybe he saw something happen to his mom to going to bed, to trying to sleep at night, to waking up the next morning in a house where he should have been safe. And he absolutely was not. Yeah, there's a lot of images that go through my mind of how that might have played out, like whether he saw something or heard something or heard something and then because he he was drugged. But I don't think that would have happened until later. I would assume, I mean, if you put yourself in the mind of a killer, you would think that he would have given the son something prior that's if it was planned out fall asleep and i don't think there's anything indicating that chris benoit planned to do this to his family oh really a lot of people speculate that at some point during the evening nancy told him that she was going to leave him that his steroid use and his sort of unreliable emotional state had just become too much and she was planning to leave him and take the kid and at that point, Chris Benoit just saw Red, acted from a place of maybe brain injury, inability to control his actions, and murdered his wife. And from that moment on, everything was reactionary to that decision. Well, not even decision. I mean, maybe so you, unconscious you don't think decision. It was, you think it was a crime of pra- uh, murder of passion then? 
is that the term crime of passion yeah um and then the son was because the son knew i think at that point once he sort of came back around and realized what he had done he tried really hard to like figure out a way to make it work and once he realized he couldn't make it work he knew he could no longer keep living and i don't think he wanted his son living in a world without him that's Reminds completely the- speculative and it's like way beyond yeah. where we are in the story um Reminds but me yeah of chris there's- watts like that whole you know you killed a spouse and then yeah. the, the kids have to go but they're like everybody questions why why would you do the kid yeah except and- i think motive was different you piece of crap chris watts you wanted to start a new oh, life chris benoit yeah. wanted to i'm not saying his old one. motives were the same but the whole like you didn't plan Gross. to kill we your kids uh, i guess that's what i'm struggling with the most here i mean we should you know, hate chris benoit let's just hate both chris's just <laughs> garbage unless you have something later that is like conspiratorial no. or well <laughs> let's see where the story takes us buckle uh, up okay yeah uh, well I, I i would just have to say definitely um it's sad. Yeah, you can't. It's no, heart wrenching. No parent can imagine being in that state. Well, in addition to finding a butcher knife below the boy's bed, another Bible is going to be found next to the boy's body. Jeez. It was determined that after Benoit murdered his son, he engaged in a series of phone conversations. One again to the neighbor Holly, <laughs> which. <laughs> Um, he discussed <laughs> his um, family's alleged illness, which he said was food poisoning. The conversation lasted oh. 10 minutes. And my resources made it clear that he spent a lot of those 10 minutes trying to dissuade Holly from coming to visit, which makes uh, me think that Holly sensed just like an evil permeating from the house. Uh, like she maybe, was unsettled yeah. and she knew something was wrong. Or something was telling her just... They're probably close neighbors and like, oh, you know, like, I know your son was really looking forward to this. Mm -hmm. Let me go just pop by. I mean, if you're close with a neighbor, they might do that. Maybe. In a rich neighborhood. Perhaps. (laughs) She's going to ride her horse over. Now, later that evening, Benoit performed an internet search for a Bible story involving a man named Elijah and a young boy. And I'm going to acquiesce to the handsome man sitting across from me who happened to attend private Christian school, basically from third grade to 12th grade. Do you know what story I'm talking about? Well, thank you for the introduction. Um, Yes, I am a Bible scholar. As you could tell from earlier when I mentioned begats, uh, which actually means, yeah, this person (laughs) had a son named this and this person had a son named this. And I got probably zero of those names right, except for maybe one, Methuselah, I think. Um, But uh, no, I do know of Elijah. Um, He's a prophet in the Old Testament. And um, and, uh, I'm guessing, boy, by our subject matter here, um, you're probably wanting me to talk about um, a story where... um, he uh, basically helps this lady um, who helped him because he was hungry and he asked her to make food and she had very little and she put her faith in him and, you know, he 
because he asked for it and said, no, don't worry, go make this food. And, um, you know, they end up basically becoming somewhat friends after this. Her son is, no, he knows her son and the son ends up passing and she gets so mad at him and just like cries out, like, why have you brought this curse on me? Blames the whole thing on him. And Elijah picks up the body of the boy and um, brings it to a room and, you know, cries out to God to save him and pretty much uh, resurrects this boy from the dead. Uh, hit her son, and from our understanding, like, they were close. So it was kind of like some people ref- even refer it to, like, Elijah raises his son. Um, I don't know, like, what truth there is to that, but... Uh, obviously it's not his son but he like people think it it was close to him so um if you're asking me what story about elijah that would be pertinent to this i'd guess that's what it is and there's a part of a story that i just want to emphasize for the listeners so you alluded to the fact that he does a favor for the woman because she feeds him when he's hungry now this favor is actually a miracle He tells this woman, go home, make yourself some food. And until the Lord brings rain upon the land, your food will never go without. So like anything you could ever want, I'm giving to you right now. And when her son gets sick, she gets really angry and comes back at him and says, why would you give me this only to take my son away? Mm. And it's at that point that Elijah steps in and prays over the boy's body and he is resurrected. And I think when I finish the story, that might mean a little more than it does right now. So from 3.51 a.m. to 3.58 a.m., Chris and Nancy's phones both send a series of strange text messages, including a text to Chavo Guerrero with instructions about how to get into their home including assurances that all their dogs are put away. Um, wait, uh, before you go on, what, what does that mean? Like he sent these texts from their phones saying, this is how you get into my home. Uh, th- hint, hint, you should come to my home. And also don't be worried about my dogs attacking you when you come to my home, because I've made sure that they're put away so they can't. But, defend the home and how did you put it there again like you're getting all, like how how he, this is like a cryptic text this is basically. what it's a cryptic text it's and he, and he sent it to a bunch of people from both no, their just phones chavo guerrero so there's a bunch of text messages sent in oh. this time period the one specific to chavo guerrero is like hey you need uh. to come to my house here's how you get in this is this is Katie filling in the blanks. Here is my garage code. And I have a key hidden in my freezer, in my beer fridge. And you unlock the door and you walk in this way. And don't worry, our dogs, I don't know how many they have, aren't going to attack you because I've made sure they're put away someplace safe. So Um, come to my house. That's basically what he's saying. Jeez. And he sent a bunch of texts to a bunch of people. Probably from 51 to 58. That's seven minutes of texting from his phone and his wife's phone. A man who just, I mean, killed his son, killed his wife, feels like he might be on the brink of something. I can only imagine what he sent. Yeah, no kidding. 
Jeez. Okay. So it was after this flurry of text messaging that Chris Benoit is going to hang himself. He's going to use the lap pull-down cord, which is a part of a weightlifting. The lap pull, the bar that you pull down. But the cord on that. Behind your shoulders. The cord on that is, I mean, I guess he's a big man. You need a cord like that. That is like, I don't know, two inches thick. Hefty. Yeah, two inches wide and then, I don't know, quarter inch thick. (laughs) I'm just trying... It's not funny. <laughs> I it's so dark. It is dark. It's uh, difficult to get through. Levity's kind of needed sometimes. But, uh, uh, but no, that's a that's a crazy thing to hang yourself with. But he does this after searching the internet for methods regarding how to break a person's neck. Oof. And apparently, so, somebody's like, "I hey, guarantee you that was not a Google down. top ten. Yeah, probably not. Nope. He probably read all of them. Was I like, was like, "No, this I don't ain't have gonna that. work." I don't and then have he that. looks at his weight, weight machine. Nope. Like, that thing can lift. I can lift I... 500, 600 pounds on that thing, so that cord's gonna work. Yeah. I don't know. Jeez, it's this weird thing to use. Also, it's maybe it's eerie and it's creepy. And if we haven't had. <sighs> eerie news and or being creeped out up until this point that just like puts me over the edge yeah it's i don't like it i don't like it at all chris benoit so this whole thing now when an autopsy was performed on benoit's body it was determined that his body had 10 times the testosterone now they are going to say it's due to testosterone replacement therapy which i think is a common like medical thing that's sought out by men however it was determined that benoit would go through a 10 month supply of testosterone in three to four weeks what which isn't even a month whole 10 months in one month that's in yeah (sighs) 10 times as much as you should be taking no wonder he's going fucking crazy yeah well I, I unless I just that regular thing. No, and... we're gonna talk about it. All right. Now, Chris's dad, his name is Michael, sent his son's brain to the Sports Legacy Institute. A man named Julian Bales, who is the head of neurosurgery at West Virginia University, made the conclusion that Chris's brain was that of an eighty year old with Alzheimer's disease. He observed damage to all four lobes of Chris's brain. And damage deep in his brainstem. During Chris's career, he had suffered numerous concussions and had been a prolific user of performance-enhancing drugs for years, like since he was in high school. Oh, my gosh. No wonder, again, no wonder he was going crazy. Like, that's... It's just a mix of things to make uh, a certain mind go crazy. I'm not, I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of minds that could handle that. I'm sure there's professional athletes that have suffered. I don't know about that many concussions. One of my favorite football players, Lyle Azedo, would um, contract. I don't think it's contract. Would be diagnosed with brain cancer. And he would go on a mission to like make it clear that he believed his Brain disease was due to his steroid use. 
Oh, wow. And then you also have Aaron Hernandez. Well, Alzado also several concussions CTE, and went on to murder people. CTE. That's CTE exactly what we're talking mixed about. mixed with steroids. I mean, maybe there's something to be said about that. Well, either way, you're not, you're not going to have a good mix between those two. CTE is going to give you a no. whole lot of health problems, a whole lot of brain problems. Steroid use is exactly the same and, and you add that, that to the time. trauma of losing friend after friend yes. after friend yes. and you start to see the road yeah. that well, led I, chris benoit to where he wound up I, I per, as i said before like the amount of damage these guys are taking night after night after night it's i mean it, it's sure the story is fake but the stuff the they're doing with story. The... this is true. No, I, spent I know. Hours researching. <laughs> hours. <laughs> but this what they're true. doing to their bodies is true. So when a dude falls on his head in pro wrestling, he's really falling on and his head. And the consequences of and that are real. It doesn't take much to give you yourself a concussion. Uh, so uh, that dude probably had concussion after concussion after concussion. Well, let's just add to Mixed it. with all that steroid use, all the. Their uh, testosterone replacement. Yep, here we go. Get ready. Now, besides the fact that Benoit had been a user of anabolic steroids since high school in order to increase his muscle size and definition, he also, in later years, began to utilize human growth hormone. And when Nancy's family moved into the home after the three family members were found deceased, they uncovered vials needles, and several prescriptions hidden away in suitcases. Oh, multiple. Wow. And he's hiding them? I I don't I mean, have assume... a cabinet for my yeah. steroids or my human if, growth hormone. If he wasn't ashamed of them, <laughs> it'd be on like, a shelf or something. Nancy also struggled, though, well, with certain pain medication use. Um, and so okay. I think it was just... Hmm. Evidence of a really unhealthy situation. Now, there were a series of text messages sent from Nancy to Chris, which only reinforces the notion that Chris's dependency on steroids was causing behavioral changes that were detrimental to Chris and Nancy's relationship. She blamed the steroid use for the emotional abuse she said she suffered at Chris's hands. She suggested that the damage to his brain was significantly affecting Chris's behavior. Was she doing steroids too, though? I don't you mentioned think pain so. medicine. She was uh, addicted to pain medication. But I gotta, I gotta see what she looks like. I mean, most. She's I, a cutie patootie. Patootie. Most wrestling she's, chicks I know of. Um, she's formidable. They, I know. they're not she's small a ladies angel. usually. Uh, you keep saying. That's her name. I, I don't I know, think no, she's I know. using steroids. But I imagine a fallen angel. She's not China. In, well, that's oh. what I imagine. <laughs> Drawing that comment back. Shoot. Oh, man. We could do a whole podcast on that. Uh, if anybody ever important ever listens to this, we're going to get canceled. <laughs> and fined. I don't think. Well, fine, maybe. Who? <laughs> China, uh, I'm just joking. Um, what is, what's, what's her name? Uh, fallen agent. Nancy, the fallen angel, Sullivan, and then she became Benoit. Oh, she is tiny. She is. And I'm going to take it back. 
I'm going to say that she didn't suggest it was his brain damage. Her text messages suggest that his steroid use was causing brain damage. I'm not going to put words in her mouth. All right. So the WWE was supposed to have a pay-per-view event the night after the three bodies were discovered. Instead of moving ahead as planned, the WWE did a memorial episode talking about how great Chris Benoit was. Now, by the end of the night, everyone there had to know the extent of Benoit's actions. Oh, my gosh. And from that moment on, it seemed that professionally, professional wrestling wanted nothing to do with Chris Benoit's memory, and they sought to erase him from anything associated with the WWE. Yeah, that's probably why I've never heard of him. I mean, not that I pay attention too much, but I mean, if you're making that much money in there, especially at that time, I've definitely heard your name. I haven't heard this dude's name. Now, here's the sitch, and I'm not looking to cause a fight with the WWE. I'd be outmanned in the Are ring. You scared of I the don't know. I just don't have the spandex and do I don't think, have the do name. Do you think they did it maybe? No, I <laughs> Well, we're not there yet. I'm just saying that I think Chris Benoit drew a lot of negative attention to effects of participating in this organization. And at that time, they had literally initiated some wellness program where their athletes were supposed to be tested for steroid use. In fact, the April before Chris Benoit murdered his family and killed himself, his test his p test came out clean which nancy mm. in a text message called this wellness program a bullshit oh wow and so i think this drew a lot of negative yeah. attention to an organization that was very powerful that was making a lot of money off the fact that their athletes were willing to put their bodies at risk for the sake of entertainment and for the sake of making vince mcmahon some money i didn't say his name i'm just joking <laughs> Sorry, Vince. But Nancy literally said this wellness program was a joke. Uh, And I think they wanted to put Chris Benoit and anything he did to the side. It's probably as real as the the champion, the (laughs) storyline. So. The, The whole steroid testing, to be clear. I will mention, because we talk true crime and we also talk conspiracy theories, that there are some people out there who don't think Chris Benoit is a family annihilator. They no. think that his paranoia was legitimate, that there were truly individuals or entities out to get him, and the death of his wife, his son, and himself was at the hands of somebody else. And I'm just saying that there's... I think evidence to suggest the otherwise. There is a, I mean. However, I, when I there hear are people who think you tell that the maybe story. he didn't do it. When I hear you tell the story, I, there's definitely a part of me that thought that because I'm always, I'm always doubtful of a full, uh, <laughs> this is how it happened, but not, nobody was actually there to see it story. You always wonder, you know, like, is that how it happened? I mean, obviously, we don't know exactly what happened. Even the story you shared is—it's speculation, and you know, 
I said it before, you have to go into Willem Dafoe mode, Boondock Saints, and use orchestral music to I think play the it only all problem out. is but, it's twofold. A, you have his brain that suggests CTE, that suggests serious deterioration of his mental abilities. And then you have his behavior. Yeah. If somebody was coming into his house to kill his wife, he wouldn't be calling to excuse his son from horse riding camp or saying his son was sick. No. You know what I mean? And no. that's where I think that part of Unless the his neighbor is in on it. <laughs> oh, Holly. Don't talk about Holly like that. She's just Holly. a lovely lady who's trying to run a horse riding camp. Did who Mist- has terrible things happen at her next door neighbor's house. I feel for Holly more than anything. Did Mr. Vince get to you? Oh. <laughs> My husband thinks Vincent McMahon is a very powerful person. Well, amongst the wrestling world, the story of the man is amazing. Anyway, I'm not going to go into it or anything. And I do, I think the conspiracy aspect is fun. I think we can debunk it. It's fun to mull over for like 30 seconds. And you could debunk it real fast with his CTE, his steroid use, uh, the the testosterone. that was hard testosterone has taken him yeah um testosterone levels being that insane um uh the man was on a mission to crazy dumb and he he got there oh one source i read said that he had such significant damage to his brain and other organs that had he not taken his own life, he would have been dead in like 10 months. Oh, geez. Wow. Which I think adds another That's component. A, yeah. Um, uh, it's just a very, very tragic story. Because his if it body's is, literally eating itself to death. He's going to die soon. He, but he doesn't know that. Um, but his brain does. <laughs> His well, brain's probably just like on hyperactive. It's got it's shot out to crazy, crazy world. It's just a very sad story because he loses his life, his wife, his son. He's got two other kids. He's got an ex-wife, Nancy's family, his family, the wrestling family. The ripples of like his actions, I think, just go on and on and on. I it's feel so like sad. you and I have gone on and on and on. All right. So I thought let's wrap this, this was, up. I thought this was good. No, I, I don't mind because I'm enjoying no, this I'm conversation. I'm excited about this. I'm it's, really, really excited about this end. I mm. feel like I was really excited about Hendrick High Effect. Here we this go. one has me more excited. It and we've actually, sad. this is going to be our okay. longest Here episode we go. at this point. So, <laughs> wrapping it up. Chris Benoit's story is a horrific and tragic tale of familiacide. But to me, it reads more like an ancient mythological tale of a young boy who is approached by a beautiful creature who offers him everything he could possibly want. Fulfillment of a dream with the achievement of greatness. On top of that, he would receive love, fame, and fortune. But in exchange, the cost of getting everything at some point in his life would be losing everything. And for Chris Benoit, the chance just to gain everything he had ever hoped for was worth risking losing everything in the end. Oh, I like what you did there. At the end, you 
totally tied in the Bible story, and that's what you said you would do. Give us some explanation on what that story meant that we told the Bible earlier. You know me. I like to leave a little surprise for the end. <laughs> well, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking of that, we got a little so Katie likes to drop those little that's what she said not lines. intentionally not intentionally <laughs> at all and nor will she we're ever not playing any games there but when she does you can play your own game and take a drink when she does um, if you get real creative with it or whatever it is just hit us up on uh, the Instagram the Instagram and tell us paired with- that's what she said with a little clink of your glass alright Thanks for listening. He listen you later. <laughs> <laughs>